this time of year, there's usually a lot of halachic discussion regarding eating turkey on Thanksgiving. Today we're going to skip over the Thanksgiving angle and we'll go to a much more global issue and that is, is turkey to begin with a kosher bird? Now, of course, everyone knows if you walk into any um, kosher supermarket, you will find many, many turkey products all with the best possible hechsherim out there. And the truth is that you look around, everyone basically eats turkey in Klai, so full disclosure, yesterday by my Shabbos Suda, I had turkey deli. But the question is, it's not the whole idea that we have, that we eat turkey and consider it to be a kosher bird, is, as we'll see today, very, very far from simple. We'll go through the sources to see exactly what the issue is and see some of the possible solutions to it, why it actually is in practice considered to be um, a kosher bird. To understand the question, we first have to go back. What makes a bird kosher? We know by other animals, we know by land animals, terror gives us simonim, signs, split hooves, and shoes as cud. That is what it makes a land animal, a kosher animal. Fish, you know, it has to have fins and scales in order to be a kosher animal. What makes a bird kosher? So the Torah does not give any specific signs. The Torah instead lists 24 types of birds, 24 species of birds. These, t- these species of birds are not kosher. These are the, the, the tummy birds. Anything else that's not on that list is considered to be a kosher bird. If we could correctly identify all 24 of those species of birds, it would be very simple. Those birds we don't eat, everything else is kosher. Practically, we have no clue exactly how to define those 24 birds exactly. So if we don't know how to define those 24 species exactly, we're going to have to find a different way of figuring out what is considered to be a kosher bird. The Mishnah in Kulun says that even though the Torah did not give us particular signs how to identify a kosher bird, the Chacham gave us signs how to identify what, what type of bird is kosher. And there's four signs that are mentioned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah first says that any bird, which is a dores, which means it's a predator, is automatically not kosher. Now there's a big discussion in the Rishonim, four or five um, opinions in the Rishonim, exactly what does it mean, that what makes something a predator. Um, all the common denominator between all the opinions in the Rishonim is that it attacks its food in a particularly vicious way, and that's make, enough to make it called a predator. Anything which is in that category of a predator, however you're going to define it, is automatically not a kosher bird. Then the mission goes on and gives us three more signs that we find by a kosher bird. The first one is we find by not kosher birds. We know if it's a predator, it's obviously not kosher. Then we have three more signs we find by kosher birds. Um, the, the, the first sign... There are only 24 predatory birds in the world? So it could be that's a general species. Then I don't know if those 24 means that exact bird. There's that type of bird or that species of bird. Um, the mission gives us um, three more signs. First sign is Etzbeisera, has an extra toe. Exactly, question exactly what that means. It doesn't mean it's a, it's a longer toe, it's just placed in a different spot exactly from the, separate from the rest of the toes, whatever that means. Um, another type, another simon is it has a... Kosher or not kosher? That's a kosher. Another, another simon of a kosher bird, it has a crop. And the third simon is that it's a gizzard, this puppet, is something which can be peeled off easily after they shecht it, after they slaughter it, it can be peeled off easily by hand. If it has those three signs, those are the three signs of a kosher bird, and it can't be a predator because a predator is a sign of a non-kosher bird. So we have a total of four simonim. There's a discussion in the Rishonim exactly how many of these simonim do you actually need. Everyone agrees that if you see a bird which is a predator, it is not kosher. question is if I have a bird which is not a predator, do I need the, all three of the other ones, or some of them? Rashi, and Fatim to the way, the basic way of understanding of Shulchan Aruch, rules you need all four. You need, it's not a predator, 
have to have this extra toe, need to crop, and have the peelable gizzard. Let's take a look at turkey for a second. Turkey meets all four requirements. Great, it's not a predator. I don't think it's going to any of the explanations of predator and meets all the other requirements of a kosher bird. The problem is that there is another Gemara shortly a couple of after that Mishnah in Hulun. That Gemara discusses a story that happened. There was a bird that they were eating called it um, a swan pen. The new bird that they found and had all the kosher simonim, so they ate it. Why not? We know the, the Mishnah gave us explicit simonim, explicit signs, how to determine what's a kosher bird. This bird had all those signs, so they ate this bird. After a little while, they realized that this bird is actually, in reality, a predator. And all the meantime, they had been eating a non-kosher bird. It's hard to determine something, you know, you can assume something not a predator. You see something, it's not a predator. It's hard to say, you know, you can see, to disprove something is much harder. Right? Say something, something doesn't happen, it's much harder. So they didn't notice it originally as being a predator. Then eventually they did see it being a predator, and they realized that they had the entire um, time been eating a non-kosher bird, and from then on, they stopped eating that bird because it was clearly a dory, so it was clearly a predator, not a kosher bird. Rashi, on that Gemara, comments and says, what's the Gemara coming to tell us with this story? Rashi says, after, the, after this, Mikan, we learn from here that we do not, we not rely on the signs anymore to determine what is a kosher bird. After that mistake happened, where they mistake, made a mistake on the signs, and we saw it's not enough, they saw later on it was a predator. After that, Rashi said we no longer rely on the signs to determine what is to be a, what is a kosher bird. Now we have obviously a problem. If we don't know what are the 24 birds, non-kosher birds are listed in Torah, and we can't rely on the signs, how, we have, how can you ever eat any sort of uh, poultry? Everything, every bird is going to be problematic. Rashi points out that the Gemara gives one more way of determining what is a kosher bird. The Gemara says that any bird which you have a misora on, a tradition, that's from the kosher birds, that bird you are allowed to eat. Rashi says, now that we no longer rely on the signs, and we do not know which of the 24 birds are the ones that are listed in the Torah, the only birds we eat are birds that we have a tradition on. A misoro, generation, pattern from generation to generation, that this bird is from the kosher birds. The big problem now comes by Turkey. Turkey um, is native to America. They were, no one ever saw it, no Jews ever saw this before the 1500s. Any bird which only was known to us as of 500 years ago, can obviously not have a Masura passed down from generation to generation that this is a kosher bird. That leads us to a big issue. How, according to Rashi, how are we going to eat turkey? And this Rashi is meant to point out, of course, that quoted by the Isra Arach, one of the main paiskim on um, for kashras, and in turn um, quoted by the Ramah as practical halacha. So the Ramah says, we only eat birds that we have a tradition on. If we only eat birds that we have a tradition on, how is it that we eat turkey today? Turkey is something clearly we cannot have a tradition on if it's only known to Jews as of 500 years ago. That's the big question. Now, essentially, we can really divide this question into two. Is First of all, when they first got this bird, when it first came over um, with the Spanish explorers in the 1500s, came, went back to Europe, from they picked it up in America, and they went back to Europe with them, First of all, how did the Jews then start eating it? They've been eating this turkey. is not a new thing we eat, that Jews have been eating turkey. It's been going on for hundreds of years. That's clear from the Paiskim. A, how did they eat it? Then B, the question is, how are we eating it today? We'll see those two don't necessarily have the same answer. But first of all, how did they, how, what basis were the Jews 500 years ago, 400 years ago, eating turkey if it does not have Masara and it clearly ruled on the Ramah that it needs a Masara, it needs a tradition in order to make it a kosher bird. So, 
the, if you look at the various languages, what is the name they use for Turkey? We call it Turkey in, in English, but you look at other languages, to start with Yiddish, because that was the spoken language by most Jews in that time, it's called an Indic. Indic means the Indian bird, means the Indian. You look in modern Hebrew, they call it Hodu, Indian. If you go through various languages, French and other various other languages, they refer to Turkey as the Indian bird. Likely that came about because Columbus, as is well known, when he first came to, when he first landed in, um, in America, he thought he was in India. He thought it was in what is called the West Indies. That's why the, um, that's why the Native Americans are very widely referred to as Indians. Well, it's because Columbus likely thought he, Columbus thought he was in America, he was in, he was in India, he didn't realize he had discovered this new continent. Likely for that reason, this bird got called by many, in many languages the Indian bird. There are Achronim Poskim, as late as the 1800s, prominent Poskim, who when they talk about Turkey, say this is the bird that came from India. Likely could they made that mistake with the name. The name in many languages, in Yiddish and many other languages, is the Indian bird. It came from India, and the Jews in India had a Masorah about it. The Jews in India had a, had a tradition going back, one of the, one of the prominent Achronim writes, a tradition going back to Moshe Rabbeinu, that this bird, this bird is a kosher bird. So they assumed that it came from India. India had, had Jews, um, and they assumed that those Jews had a Masorah. Now, the first mistake, we understand very well how that came about. They assumed it came from India, because that's the name of the bird. Um, the fact that how, where it got lost, that they had a tradition about it, obviously that can't be they had a tradition about it. Maybe it got mixed up with a different type of bird that came from India or something else. But they clearly, the Rechreinim, late the 1800s, who assumed that it came from India, and the, Indian, the Jews in India had a misura about it. So the whole discussion, can we rely on the misura of the Indian Jews? That's the discussion in some of the achronim of the 1800s. That would be one explanation for what they were doing, eating it for hundreds of years, if we know that it needs to have misura. The name probably misled them, and somehow in there they got an assumption that there was also a misura on this bird. Um, a second explanation I saw, perhaps how they were eating it all those years, was that it was originally brought back with the Spanish explorers, and originally traveled, probably went through the, the Swedish countries before it came to the Western European Ashkenazic countries. Um, so I want to say that the Swedish have more lenient rules exactly how to determine what is a kosher bird. And based on that, you know, they, 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 they looked at the Himanim, saw it was kosher. And then when eventually made it way over to the Western European countries, the Ashkenazic countries, they said, oh, the Swedish eat it, must have a Masura. There's just two problems with that is that, first of all, even the, the Svardim who are more lenient, they only lenient on birds that are similar to goose. There's a, the one that we've shown them suggests an idea that birds that are similar to geese, we know, do not have, um, are not predators. So what's considered something similar to a geese? Have to have webbed feet and a, <clears throat> and a wide beak. Then, if it has those, we don't require a misura. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says, Mechaber says. Um, Turkey, I think I was looking, trying to figure out, it doesn't, doesn't look like it has web feet, and if you look at pictures, it does not have a wide beak. So I don't know why that would, I, I don't know, I've seen Palmer and Price going to say this, I don't know why that would have been a reason why Svardim would have eaten it. They should have really have the same problem as we have, that if it does not have masur on it, you would not be allowed to eat it. So I'm not sure how that would answer the question. And a uh, third possibility I saw for how it is that, that um, the Jews for hundreds of years ate Turkey is that the Turkey came over almost approximately 500 years ago, um, in the mid to early 1500s. Um, the Ramah wasn't really started printing, it wasn't really printed in Shulchan until the later part of the um, 1500s. 
it could be that there, there's a machlokas whether or not Masora is required. The Ramah, we know we follow the Ramah, says it is. Could be the Jews, before the Ramah was printed, the Jews in those countries didn't necessarily follow that opinion. The Rabbanim in, in those countries, the Pisces in those countries did not necessarily follow that opinion, and they allowed it based on the signs. The only question that is, okay, first of all, the Ramah, fine, he made his, his rulings, he was based on Rashi, he was based on early Rishonim, presumably he wasn't saying something so novel that wasn't practiced before, okay, question of how accepted a psak is, is not always so clear, um, and also the question of, interesting that decades later when Ramah did come out and the Ramah became accepted as the final psak by the Jewish people, by the Ashkenazic Jews, they continued eating the turkey without any issue, okay, but that would be, basically it comes out that there was, in order to understand how they ate it, when it first when the first was introduced to European Jewry, most likely based on a mistake. Some mistake. Either it was they thought it came from India and had Masara, or they thought it came from the Sardis countries, not sure how that would work, or it was pre, there wouldn't be a mistake, that was pre their Ramah's printing, but then the fact that they continued eating after, even after their Ramah's um, rulings became accepted in, by, by Ashkenazic Jewry, would have been quite a chiddush. And the Shochanach also would require to have a Masara as well. The Machaber, even for Svartim, would require to have a Masara. So it would be interesting that that was never picked up on, that this bird does not have a Masara and we're still eating it. Okay, so, be it as it may, they ate it. Now, the question is, we know today. We know it did not come from India. We know that there was no Masara going back, that this bird is kosher. So even if they made that mistake, how today are we continuing to eat turkey when we know is missing some of these, the crucial element of a misora of a positive tradition, that this bird is kosher. So the Nitziv, it's actually interesting, the Paiskim who discussed this question, again, in the 1800s when, when there was a lot of discussion going on about the turkey, they're not even addressing directly, can we eat turkey? They were really addressing, if you look through the chuvas, they're really addressing other birds that came up at that time, um, the, uh, various t- different types of ducks that they weren't sure about exactly where they were, if they were kosher or not. And they just mention turkey almost as like, you know, in, in, in their back and forth about it, how they, they mention it, how is it that we're eating turkey, but that's not even the main thrust of their, what they're coming to address over there. Then it's Siv, he wants to suggest as follows. He says that when do we require a misora on a bird to say that it is a kosher bird? That is if we are coming to try to determine if this bird's kosher. We are coming to make an initial determination. If this bird kosher, we need to have a misora. If we don't have a tradition, we cannot accept it as a kosher bird. Then Siv says, but something which has been accepted in Klai and we're not making, we're not coming to make a determination right now, is this bird kosher? It's been accepted as a kosher bird. Even though we know that according to our criteria, we, we, would, it doesn't, have the, we doesn't have the tradition, right? We would, we never, we would never accept it. If we were coming to make that determination ourselves, unless I see explicitly that it's not kosher, I'd see a predator, then he said you wouldn't be allowed to eat it. But just the fact that it's missing the Masora, that's only an issue if we're coming to make the initial determination. This bird, as he said, for whatever reason, was eaten for hundreds of years by Jews. Once it was eaten for hundreds of years by Jews, it was assumed to be a kosher bird, and we no longer, we don't, the fact that it's lacking the Masora no longer bothers us. To, ma- to take out, to make a, if something had like what he called a cheskus kashus, an assumption to be kosher, the lack of Masora no longer bothers us. That is only necessary if we are coming to make a determination. You want to have a new bird today, you find. See if it has a, if it's kosher, you need a Masora. Something they've eaten for hundreds of years, that he says does not require a Masora. That has a cheskis kashus, an assumption of being kosher. Something like that does not require a Masora in order to continue eating it. That's the idea. And this is a little difficult to understand. If we need a Masora, why should we differentiate between whether or not they've been eating it before. We, we know they didn't have Masara. He's not debating that. He said they didn't have Masara. Okay, but that's what the Nisiv wants to suggest.
The second answer, which I think may be the most convincing, is from um, a sefer called Aruga Sabosem, not the usual Aruga Sabosem, which was from Hungary. This is from Russia. He's quoted by the Dake Shuva. And the Aruga Sabosem wants to suggest like this. He says, what is the issue? Why do we need a tradition in order to make a bird kosher? We need a tradition in order to make a bird kosher because we are concerned that maybe it's really a predator, like that story in the Gemara. That's why we required a tradition. He said, the story in the Gemara, they were looking at this bird. How long were they looking at it for? A month? A year? Ten years? Whatever it was, it wasn't something that they were looking at for centuries like we've been looking at turkeys. He said, when you have a bird, we've observed. It lives, it's pretty domesticated. It lives around the houses. And we've observed it for centuries. And we see it. It's not a predator. The whole concern of the Gemara, the whole concern that Rashi says that we need a Masora is no longer a real concern. The concern is that maybe it's really a predator. Fine, that's something you've been watching for somewhat of a short time. Something you've been, that have been watched. Again, they've, they've had the turkey for now 500 years, right? And they've seen it is not a predator. It does not meet the criteria. Being a predator, a predator, we no longer need to have a Masoran. And that is what Rugas Bosom says is the basis for why we eat turkey today despite its lack of tradition. The whole concern is, maybe it's a predator, we are convinced beyond what a Masora would do for us that this bird is not a predator, and therefore it says on that basis how we continue to eat turkey today. Um, practically, if you look around, as I said, it's accepted in all sectors of Kalei Yisrael. Litchus, Chetzidish, Ashkenazik, Svaradim, Yaki, everyone eats turkey. There are some individuals, not sectors of Kalei Yisrael, not groups, no, some individuals who do not, um, um, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky did not eat turkey um, even he supposedly said that was only because of his wife's family had such a minhug um, Rav Shmuel follows that minhug also as well but he does not impose that on his family he says that's just a minhug not that he's the real concern that the turkey is not kosher um, Rav Shmuel Shafter from YU does not eat turkey because we don't have misera. Um I think that many people the descendants of the Shla of the Harwitz family many of them do not eat turkey because it's also this concern um, but by and by large, Kleisol had accepted turkey as a kosher bird. It may have originally started out as a mistake, as we explained, um, or they just were predating the psak of the Ramah. Either way, today, we, theoretically, if we look at the Shokanach, we would say, you shouldn't eat this bird. One of the reasons, either from the Nitziv, that, that we no longer, we don't need a Misora for something which is established as kosher, or because of this other idea from the Rubus Abosim, that we are certain, beyond doubt, that the turkey is not a predator, for those are the reasons why um, Klai Sol continues to eat turkey today. Yes,